0: Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, vampires.
2: There just starts to be kind of rumors and folk tales that emerge about people that are coming back from the dead and preying on the living in some way. And the other aspect of um, the vampire that I think will always uh, haunt our imaginations is it's relationship to capitalism it's kind of weird it's kind of weird that this horrible 19th century story about a weird vampire that comes from far away to prey on people in london then ends up as a kids cartoon
0: i want to thank you so much for joining us if you get a chance subscribe leave us a rating or a review we really appreciate it it really helps us out if you're a new listener Welcome to the show. If you're a longtime listener, thanks for all of your support. So our first guest is a vampire researcher who has studied where the mythology surrounding vampires started and how it has changed and affected society as vampires have gone from scary to sexy, back to scary, and just about everything in between. And it turns out that the changes that vampires have gone through also say a lot about the changes society has gone through. This is vampire scholar Theodora Jean. When we're talking about vampires, like where does the mythology around them start?
2: It really happens kind of 1600s, maybe 1700s. In Eastern Europe, there just starts to be kind of rumors and... Folk tales that emerge about people that are coming back from the dead and preying on the living in some way. And the stories kind of vary. But then what happens is um, the kind of powers that be start investigating these stories and take it very seriously, and start writing things down, just on a kind of scientific basis, looking into it, because they they genuinely don't know what is just fairy tale and rumour, and what might actually be a dangerous thing that's happening. In In essence, it gets investigated by the church and by scientists. But then right at that time, you know, printing press, text, writing, all starts to kind of become a bit more popular. And then it kind of leaps from a kind of almost like a tabloid story that's been investigated to something that becomes part of the literary imagination certainly in kind of uh western europe
0: people thought that this was a real thing that was happening and then it kind of just evolved into fictional stories
2: yeah yeah that's what i would say Pe- Or people certainly weren't sure because Obviously, when we go back that far, whenever something strange happens, people kind of put a story behind it to try and make sense of it. Yeah, but what will have happened is if you have somebody, you hear these stories even now about somebody who certainly appears to be dead, but then kind of has a bit of time and then comes back, or or you might have somebody who um, genuinely is dead, but something makes their body move or something. And so they can have the appearance of life, a dead body can have the appearance of life, even if the the body is definitely still dead. So it's just these kind of little, little things that have kind of, uh, that people weren't sure about at the time. It didn't have the scientific knowledge to explain.
0: When we think about like other monster creatures, right? Like Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the mummy, did yeah. they have that kind of similar origin where like, oh, is this real? Or were they always fictional characters and the vampire is different?
2: Um, well, I would say the werewolf is very similar. So the werewolf and vampire actually are almost almost the same figure the vampire is also associated with the moon so you think of the werewolf comes to life at the full moon the well were- the vampire also kind of historically comes to life in kind of like the moonlight and also um, vampires often very associated well with violence but also with um the animal so dracula is you know, it's the the Dracula. Dracula is always associated with the bat, but he's also like the wolf and the dog and all those different things. So they definitely have a kinship. Um, in terms of the other ones you mentioned, Frankenstein, I would say is definitely comes from Mary Shelley's novel, uh, and the Mummy. Um, I don't know so much about. Um, I think you'd need somebody who knows about um, Egyptomania and things like that to come on your show to talk about. But I I think the mummy is, um, is a, a kind of a different category all by itself, I think, yeah.
0: When does the vampire become really popular?
2: 19th century is when it all kicks off. In a way, it all really happens with Byron. Are you familiar with Lord Byron? yeah
0: he's he's no longer with us i believe him <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay so lord byron was a um a lord in uh early 1800s very famous at the time uh for writing outrageous uh books but also living in a very outrageous lifestyle um slept with lots of people kind of the original rock star he wrote a few things um like a short story called the fragment which kind of uh, kind of flirts with the idea of the vampire. But then a doctor uh, called John Polidori, who's actually a personal physician, he writes a novel novella called um, The Vampire. That, along with a few others um, at, the, at similar times, so sort of 1819, kick, kick off the vampire as we know it, a figure that's kind of walks amongst us, preys on people um, it, it happens there, but then we also also in America, there is a another short story called The Black Vampire, which is about a slave who comes back from the dead and wreaks havoc. Then you have a big penny dreadful called varney the Vampire, which goes for two years, written by multiple people, and that really cements in the idea of the vampire as a, a, especially the kind of English aristocrat lives in a castle, uh, preys on people, um, that really cements it uh, in the popular imagination. But then you also have Carmilla, that kind, that is a really famous book, which um, by an Irish author called Sheridan Le Fanu. In that one, he basically sets up lesbian vampire queer love story, misunderstood. And then at the turn of the century, we have Dracula uh, 18, in 1897, the well-known story, and that's that's where it all gets bedded in.
0: Dracula's the one that I always, that jumps out to me, right? Yeah. Was that that big of a deal at the time? Or did that just kind of throughout as history has progressed, like we kind of not forgot about, but the other ones got pushed to the back and that one became the big one.
2: I think, okay. So when Dracula comes out, it's not this like huge stupendous hit that changes literature forever. It's not that. Dracula was written by a, by Bram Stoker, and he was an actor manager. Um, his day job really was uh, working in a the theatre, looking after some super famous actors and actresses. Um, and he was he was kind of like a mid list author who had um, who wrote regular horror stories. Dracula comes out. Um, it gets me- met with like mixed reviews. Um, but really, the thing that cements it as this kind of iconic vampire king really is um, Nosferati, the film that kind of brings the vampire onto the big stage that's always been associated with Dracula. And really, Dracula has just gotten more and more popular as time has gone on, rather than less. Um, I do have... A couple of reviews that I could share with you, really briefly, yeah, if you'd yeah, like yeah. to hear. Um,
0: and this is for the original. The original the book Soakers when it comes
2: it. out in 1897.
0: Yeah. How far would that be from Nosferatu then? Uh, I do remember it. It's like that. Like that's scary. <laughs> i remember maybe the way it was filmed with a grainy like a guy with those ears yeah, the
2: ears yeah uh, not as so far as she comes out i think in uh 1922 so quite a while after right yeah it never made him like big millions or you know it, it, it never did um but i will just share with you that um a couple that did did recognize the genius yeah so um weirdly is the daily mail that recognizes um dracula and says um the recollection of this weird and ghostly tale will doubtless haunt us for time to come the eerie chapters are written together with considerable art and cunning and unmistakable literary power persons of small courage and weak nerves should confine their reading of these gruesome pages strictly to the hours between dawn and sunset
0: (laughs) Dang, that's a good review. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Um, And I will also just share with you um, the American response because I have uh, the San Francisco Chronicle here. Yeah. Which says, um, the story is told in such a realistic way that one actually accepts its wildest flights of fancy as real facts. It is a superb tour de force which stamps itself on the memory. So some people did like it
0: was it really that much better than the other ones? Or was it one of those things that like, it just hit at the right time and it was pretty good.
2: The thing that made it into something more than it was really was the, the, when the film came out long after he died, he never really got the recognition of the work that he did. Um, I will tell you uh, famously, one of the things that he did was um, so, as I was saying, he was a uh, manager of a theater And he um, arranged for a uh, uh, theatrical performance of it in order to cement the copyright, because copyright laws were different then. And he wanted to make sure that if it did become big and got put on the stage and people made money out of it, he wanted his copyright. And in order to do that, um, he had to be the first to put on a production of it to cement that copyright. And the famous actor that he worked with was kind of like, hmm, not going to take part in this. Don't really, do really, not really into this. And um, the script wasn't very good. So the, that particular adaptation, it kind of sank like a stone.
0: I would imagine, right? And I don't know what I'm talking about, but I would imagine you go back into 18th, 19th century morals, right? That this would have been like, a, oh my gosh. Was it just, sensational or was that just am i kind of thinking people were more prude than i thought that they were i don't know if that's it, the right it's word.
2: not that you you're not wrong about the the prude potentially being there but the thing is about the book is the kind of like the way we see dracula vampires today they always have like a bit of an erotic charge you know like the their kind of you know the the physicality of it seems very um obvious but but the book itself, in a way, there's very much, there's the good guys and the bad guys. And the bad guy is Dracula and the vampires. And um, there's kind of, there are these scenes of gruesome violence, which um, are kind of recognised by the time, by the reviewers and by the readers. But it's not seen in the same, it's kind of just seen as just just plain old horrible violence, just rather than having that kind of, like sexual undertone if you see what I mean so there was nothing when they're reading the text they're reading it just as like this vampire is taking the blood they're not really seeing it as something that has any kind of
0: subtext or anything beyond we're kind of I feel like we're used to sex and violence and they were used to violence
2: yeah yeah I guess you could say that yeah but there's more that they're not seeing the sexual undertone
0: but was it there because it seems to me, like, from the outside, like, vampire Dracula went from being scary to being sexy.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But I think when you read the book, it def- there's definitely a charge there. So, um, when Jonathan is alone in the castle, there's just, you know, there's the two men in the bedchamber for a start. Then, um... Uh, Jonathan gets um, approached by these three women that, like you know, licking their lips and climbing all over him. Like it's there. It's just the Victorian audiences weren't so familiar with um, kind of sexual subtext. I would just say.
0: When would you say that it be kind of came became overt? Like as it goes out, like
2: even Bela Lugosi kind of brings a kind of a seductive charm. Like he's alluring. He's kind of less kind of like ugly, Nosferatu, strange, odd, and more kind of um, dark, handsome (laughs) uh, hero sort of thing. So I would even say from Bella Lugosi, and just, I think just being on film, there's, there's a real change from the text to something much more corporeal. It's like a very kind of physical male presence. That is recognizably human, whereas in the book, it's very much more. Is he even real? Is he not? Have I had a bad dream? Um, am I mentally ill? Uh, is it a bat? Is it a wolf? Is it dust? Like what? What's happening there?
0: So in my mind, right, like I go from Bram Stoker in yeah. what, like 1897, yeah, and then I go to like oh, and the next thing was Twilight. Are okay. There- are there big vampire books, though, in between that, let's just call it, 100 years?
2: Yes. Maybe. Yeah. So there, there there are a few. What I would say, though, is 19th century does seem to be, like, core time for bedding in the vampire, right? But then after um, the Victorian era, when we're into the sort of war years, uh, there aren't – I'm sure there are vampire stories, especially kind of beyond – uh, kind of UK, US, but uh, in terms of the iconic ones that we would recognise as part of kind of um, uh, the standard literature, I would really say um, in 1954 when Robert Matheson um, writes "I Am Legend," that is oh, yeah. a biggie. They they make three different films of that book, um, so there's that. But really, when Anne Rice and um, Stephen King in the 70s um, Stephen King writes uh, Salem's Lot i think that's 1975 and then um, Anne Rice's uh, Interview with Vampire is 1976 that along with the film portrayals so you have Frank Langella as Dracula in um, a universal film you probably won't remember it it's kind of fallen by the wayside apart I'm from aficionados like I can't myself think of it at all. um it was a big deal at the time it, because dracula becomes like it instead of the women being victims they fancy him back right so it's a bit but we're changing now into the vampire as kind of not just kind of a seductive figure that is like dangerous but more one that is like a misunderstood um other figure that's been unfairly maligned um i mean anne rice's interview with the vampire puts you the all of a sudden the heroes of the story are the vampires right so that really changes everything um but then you do have uh twilight which comes out i think 2005 2006 that puts vampires back on the map again of course um but there's also octavia butler's um fledgling which is science fiction um Bearing back more away from paranormal romance genre style and a bit more into, although it's science fiction vampire, but still a bit more on the literary side. Yeah. What do you think
0: it is about it that has always drawn us in?
2: Yeah. Okay. So um, as long as you have, okay, the basic concept of the vampire is this, something that returns from the dead preys on the living, sucks out the life force. That is a vampire. And that you can use that in so many different ways, right? Dracula is just one of many kind of thought experiments that we can have about that kind of dynamic of something that lives um, on the threshold, something that is not alive, not dead, not not us, but sort of other at the same time. And the other aspect of... um, vampire that i think will always uh haunt our imaginations is its relationship to capitalism right um so dracula has um hordes of money and famously when he he gets somebody tries to stab him in the book and out comes a stream of gold right because um he has, uh, he's a lord of his manor. He's uh defeated lots of people in hundreds of years ago, and he has lots of different kinds of money. Um, so that's Dracula, but even before then, um, uh, the vampire, the vampire is an, an aristocrat, right? In your mind, he's, he's somebody rich, right? Um, yeah. Even no in
0: the tw- yeah. lower income vampires, yeah, yeah,
2: exactly, right? I'm sure there are some, obviously, but that's that's what we think of the aristocrat in his castle, yeah um so uh but then even in something like in in Marx's Das Kapital right he 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 returns to the vampire language uh or imagery in order to describe how capitalism works and i have a little quotation for you can i share it with you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay so marx describes capital like this um capital is dead labor that vampire-like only lives by sucking living labor and lives the more, the more labor it sucks. The time during which the laborer works is the time during which the capitalist consumes the labor power that he has purchased of him. Right. So there is an I, and even if you think of Twilight, right, Edward is super rich. Yeah, yeah that's part of his allure. So as long as we have, I guess, an imbalance of resources, right? Um, There's always going to be this concept of the vampire that can be moved around, done different things with. Um, I guess uh, vampire is another word to explore exploitation, I think.
0: I guess I never really thought of it that way. Was that the original intention of the kind of authors, or is that something, though, that has evolved... Over time, and maybe people looking back, like, "Oh, this is what they meant."
2: Well, I think I kind of think when people when authors write, I don't know if they always have like a specific like manifesto in that way. Yeah, but at the same time, if we go back, so I was talking to you about Byron. Um, when uh, his physician John Polidori writes the Vampire, he is thinking essentially of uh, Byron as somebody that uses people and drains them and ruins them. So uh, even in Vani the vampire, in Carmilla, in Dracula, in all of these different ones, there's there's some kind of way in which people are extracting like a life force in whatever way you might want to take that. It's definitely embedded within the text. That, that That's kind of what being a vampire in some way is. It's kind of taking, taking some bits, like some kind of physical essence of somebody for your own regeneration.
0: Do you think most people kind of notice that? Or is it one of those things that like we, maybe we notice subconsciously, right? Cause I, like, when I've read it, it's just like, oh, this is a good story. But when you bring it up about like, oh, it could be a metaphor for capitalism. Like, oh yeah, I guess it kind of could.
2: There's different, I mean, I wouldn't say the only way to interpret the vampire is to see it as a capitalist metaphor. But as long as we have capitalism, that's going to be something that really easily can be used to talk about these things. Like in um, the Netflix film vampires in the Bronx. I don't know if you've heard of that.
0: I haven't seen that one.
2: Yeah. 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 It's a funny little film where um, the vampires are uh, property developers, which is perfect because it, Dracula is a property developer too.
0: Are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? Yeah, sure. <laughs> How come we always remember the vampire and not, the other characters in the books?
2: Um I actually am really pleased with that question because it really goes to the heart of the actual novel. Um, In the book itself, there is no specific hero. There is no one narrator. The book itself is composed of lots and lots of different um, pieces of writing. So, like uh, tabloid articles, or one person's diary, or another person's letter to somebody else. Right? There's not like uh, one person's first person narration where they say, "I went to the castle. I came back. We. I, I went on this journey to destroy the vampire." That's not what happens. There are lots and lots of different voices. But the one thing that is constant is. Um, the threat of the vampire right so it makes sense that in all the different adaptations the tv series the films the the book adaptations all of the things that come uh, in response to Dracula there isn't um, there are different ways in which you can make the kind of hero of your little tv series right you can make it that Lucy's uh, fiance Arthur is the star you can make it that it's Jonathan you can make it that it's the girls Mina and Lucy, you can make it that really it's a battle between Van Helsing and Dracula, right? Because the book lends that, lends itself to that because it it doesn't have one strict um, kind of master voice that you're following through the book.
0: Yeah, I can't think of any vampire story in which I didn't focus on the vampire
2: the villains are the fun bit
0: right who is the best character around dracula though in any kind of fictional universe that you'd be like oh that's that character is interesting even though they're not dracula
2: well for me personally um my my research focuses on mina um I'm will you remember her do you have you at least seen the film with yes. Rider? Winona ryder yes
0: this winona ryder
2: yes in a way, for me, if, if there is a hero, it's uh, Mina or maybe Mina and her husband, Jonathan, um, because it kind of centers around her in that her husband, Jonathan, goes off. Um, then we have some correspondence between her and her best friend, Lucy. It's her friend, Lucy, that gets annihilated by first the vampire and then the vampire hunters, right? Um, And then in the latter part of the book, she's the one um, managing all the knowledge. She's putting together the timetables. She's realising that um, uh, she can access uh, what the vampire is doing because she has been bitten by him, which means she has a telepathic connection to him, which means she knows where he is, right? And she kind of manages the group. She is also very interesting because she hovers between... Being um, a kind of conventional, uh, attractive, um, kind of typically gendered woman in that, you know, she's uh, engaged and then she gets married to Jonathan. She um, doesn't overstep the mark. Right. She's not very overtly radical. But in actuality, what she's doing is she's, she's she's kind of taking charge of the of the narration um and she's she's putting she she's she's leading the team right but she's she's not yeah, doing it yeah. with too much ego right she's just like politely gathering everyone together
0: is there any other big character around kind of vampire lore besides dracula that really jumps or I, I, the only other one i would think of is like van helsing
2: van Hel- van helsing is has become very iconic in itself, so you even have a Netflix series just on the Van Helsing legacy now, Um, as well as the film, uh, there's also a film on Van Helsing, Um, but in a way that derives from the book Dracula. Um, I would also say Carmilla is like like, like a secret echo of Dracula. So whenever you think of like a vampiric female presence, It's normally like in some way it's been inspired by Sheridan Le Fanu's um, Carmilla uh, also has um, this kind of iconic status that is just kind of um, just goes a little bit under the radar. But when when you think of a woman vampire, when you think of some kind of like uh, formidable force, that is um kind of maybe has a bit of um lesbian quality and uh i don't know if did you ever watch castlevania Yeah. Yeah, yes. do, you, do you remember yeah. Carmilla in that?
0: I stopped at the first season, it was too scary for me. <laughs> okay, I did I'll like it. You <laughs> So, she Carmilla is now that that predates the kind of Bram Stoker stuff or that yeah. is after it? Predates. And that's more from a female director, perspective. Yeah, yeah.
2: So even though it was written by a man, the story is um, there is a girl called Laura who meets a woman, uh, or a teenage girl, same as her, who is a countess and is basically sucking her blood in the night. Um, But they have uh, a certain kind of Friendship that goes, that falls into romance. Um, but the idea about Carmilla is obviously she, uh, the, the narrator, Laura believes that she is the same age as her, but actually no, she's hundreds and hundreds of years old and she has her own castle and all those things. Yeah.
0: What do you think that like Bram Stoker would think of all of the different interpretations, right? Where Dracula can be scary, funny, sexy, Unclear gender, unclear yeah. sexual preferences. Like, what do you think that I think the most famous author would think about like Twilight and Interview with the Empire <laughs> and you know, you know, all those different ways that it has gone?
2: Honestly, um, Bram Stoker, we think of Bram Stoker as this weird little guy, but actually, he was the strapping, strong, charming Irishman who loved socializing with people and um, famously even jumped into the Thames to save somebody's life once or attempt to save somebody's life. He was a good guy. And I think that he would have been honored to see his creation on film in all the different permeations. because obviously you know like, he dies before we even really have film and cinema right but he is in love with the london theatre scene and performance and storytelling and i think he just would have been amazed to think of his work becoming as well known i mean dracula goes it's beyond even the book now is part of our like discourse as to how we understand popular culture you know and i think in particular he would have probably liked um christopher lee in the hammer horror films um i think they're quite akin to the actor that he worked with henry irving who famously did um uh big performances of mephistopheles and um uh, he played a good villain, right? Um, and Christopher Lee is quite, I think is quite in that vein in the Dracula movies, certainly. I know that Bram Stoker was very interested in um gender issues, and he he writes other things um, about men and women, and he's kind of intrigued by like the the new the new things that we can think about men and women. So for example, he writes about Van Helsing in Dracula writes about Mina that um, she is um, has like a woman's grace but a man's brain. She has like intelligence and adventure and all of those things, and he admires that about her. And I think that definitely comes through in the book. Um, so I'm not sure that he would have, uh, you know, been a total car carrying feminist in the way that we we would now think of those kinds of topics but I know that I don't know but I like to think that he would have just been i just been amazed by all the different interpretations and to just see his his construction on the big screen I just think I don't think he would have really cared what we made of uh, whether it's what the vampire is or not just that that power the, the power of the performance and the villain I think he just would have been like life made
0: <laughs> when you think of this interpretation of dracula what is your first kind of thoughts about it okay so like bram stoker's dracula
2: i think of a uh, sexual predator that's what i think bram stoker's dracula is about the thing that he does is he invades bedrooms and he invades bodies that's and i think if we were going to have an adaptation that really spoke to that it would be an 18 and it would be horrible <laughs>
0: what did you the movie like how did how well did that kind of capture it
2: well i don't think there has been an adaptation that is actually that close to the book i think and in a way it can't be right because a film adaptation or a tv adaptation is always going to have to uh fit the form right and adhere to the director's intentions and the the writer's intentions um for me nosferatu is one of the closest in that it evokes the strange ugliness, this thing creeping closer and closer and the characters can't get away from it. Um, That kind of summons the like spirit of the novel for me. Um, But I would also say Freddy Krueger is actually very Dracula for me. He comes in the night, he's in dreams, you're not sure if you're awake or asleep. Um, when he famously says down the phone, I'm your boyfriend now. That's Dracula. I'm coming for you, <laughs> right? I'm interrupting. Um, uh, like, I don't know if you remember, but there's two characters. One is blonde. One is um, a brunette in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. And they're very, what what like when you think of Mina and Lucy, they're often blonde and brunette. And the brunette is the one that is sort of the final girl. I also think the Slenderman phenomenon is very Dracula. I don't, do you know about the Slenderman? Yeah. Slenderman? Yeah. yeah.
0: How, so, how, how so?
2: So in terms of this fictional thing, so it, it comes up on the internet. So you're, you're in the ether now, you're in cyberspace, you're in this sort of dream space that isn't the real world, right? And um, there are all these multiple different ways in which um, this figure can appear, Um, this kind of gothic, dark thing that you can't put your finger on, but is, again, coming closer and closer. Like, is it real? Is it not? And um, it seems to have kind of summoned uh, lots of different interpretations. So if you go on the internet, there's loads of different kinds of pictures, but, but still kind of recognizable, much like Dracula in that. Um, there are there's almost countless amounts of films adaptations literary versions uh, or rewrites as well as um uh Sesame Street Count Dracula all of those different things right and Slenderman's a bit like that it can be put in different uh put in different modes but still was recognizable as that same scary dark figure that's kind of in the imagination
0: Edward Cullen from Twilight
2: I have no strong feelings. Um, I think it's okay for people to have fun and have a gothic romance if that's what they want to do. Um, I think there's better vampire books out there, but you know, that's fine.
0: Are vampire scholar purists though, a little bit annoyed that like, that's, that's. That's the one. That's,
2: that's, that's the one that's the. New, that's the- <laughs> Most, I guess if you want to say vampire purists or vampire critics, I think basically kind of ignore Ignore the series because there's so many other interesting vampire books that you can talk about and look at. Um, But, I mean, I would say for me, I quite like when um, there are new series, new adaptations, more kind of gothic adaptations and um, things that bring back to life the kind of creepy, the um, supernatural is always fun for me. So, So, for example, with BBC's recent Dracula... Uh, I don't know if you saw it with Clay Spang. No, uh-uh. Um, well, there's a three-part series that came out. Um, I'm not sure if it's in the US or not, but I hate I hated that series. I did not care for it one bit. I thought it was terrible, but it kind of... Um, it just kind of puts my work back on the map. It, 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 it's, it, it continues the discourse. It continues the conversation. So I'm, I think we, there's room for a bit of teenage... Crush on Edward Cullen, I think. Come on,
0: <laughs> better fictional vampire: the Count from Sesame Street or Count Chocula from cereal. <laughs> um, it's got to be Sesame Street, right? <laughs> is is Count Chocula accurate in any <laughs> in any way? I guess
2: no. Other things so. on no. it, but what I will say is, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird that this. Horrible 19th century story about a weird vampire that comes from far away to prey on people in London, then ends up as a kids' cartoon team thing. Like, I don't really get it, but here we are.
0: Vampire power you would like to have, vampire power you would not want to have.
2: I don't think I want any of that vampire shit in my life, man. I'm happy to just die and be put in my grave. <laughs>
0: yeah, the price is the price is too much.
2: I don't wanna be damned. I don't want my other half to look at me and be like, stay away, Gene. <laughs> oh
0: yeah. That's comes it comes with too much baggage. So where does like the Vlad the Impaler stuff come in? Is that a later invention or was that always the basis for it or idea behind it
2: yeah so Vlad the Impaler comes in really with Dracula right so um Bram Stoker spent about seven years doing his research for the book and writing it and making notes and things like that and when he is doing his research he goes to Whitby he um goes to Scotland and kind of soaks up the atmosphere things like that and um there is a kind of, uh, I guess you could say, critical debate as to whether Vlad the Impaler was a direct influence, or if, if he had Vlad the Impaler in his mind when he writes Dracula. Some people think yes, he he was inspired by this figure, and that is what creates Dracula. Um, some people say there's no evidence for that, but either way, it's he he was definitely thinking of. Um, a kind of powerful lord figure akin to Vlad the Impaler when he's creating the character Dracula. And so after that, it's kind of it's kind of like in in the imagination of of us all really that it it, it kind of makes us a little bit borderline. Is Dracula real? Was he a real guy? <laughs> Is he? Um... Something that um, actually is still there, lurking away in the kind of cemeteries of some strange castle far away. Um, so it's kind of a fun thing, but yeah, it, it's it's part of the potential uh, mythology, not just around vampires, but specifically um, Bram Stoker's writing of Dracula.
0: Best depiction of vampire in movies or TV shows. Worst depiction. <laughs>
2: Best I'm going to say, I know I've mentioned Nosferatu a few times, but I think I'm going to mention Nosferatu one last time. When he comes up on the ship, do you remember that part? Yes. Where he just emerges and all of a sudden it's just this fucking weird thing and none of the guys can do anything about it and he's coming, right? That is, to me, that's pure that's pure drac, right? This is what I was saying about him as a predator. He's fucking scary and he's coming and like you're helpless, right? Yeah. Um, worst um uh, did you say of dracula
0: or of vampires either one
2: yeah i'll just say i'll just say tw- the twilight series but i will also give a little shout out to near dark a film about vampires that was very good as well
0: have you seen any of the funny ones like what we do in the shadows
2: oh yeah they're really good fun
0: i i've i am of the personal opinion that the energy vampire is one of the greatest characters of the last 10 years. Like it's so well done. I love Colin Robinson. Yes,
2: (laughs) he is very good, but can I give you some literary insight into that? So secretly, um, when, uh, Dracula comes out in 1897, another vampire novel came out by a lady called Florence Marriott called the blood of the vampire. And this was a um, psychic vampire. It's the story of a psychic vampire. She's Creole, and so at, at the exact same time as Dracula comes out, there's also this idea of less something that is preying on, uh, like sucking blood from the neck, but is just every everybody basically everything she loves that she touches and like loves. She basically destroys by taking their life force and um yeah psychic psychic energy vampire but taking it seriously
0: (laughs) has frankenstein ever been as big as dracula
2: ah what a great question right so frankenstein okay so how are we determining big right so it's it's difficult to say uh in terms of adaptation i would probably say dracula I think, I don't know, I don't have an encyclopaedic knowledge of every film ever made, but I would say Dracula has probably been made into film or TV more times than Frankenstein, right? There's even there's, there's two films coming out next year just by Universal uh, Dracula adaptations. There's Renfield, um, which is um, a riff on that character, and then there's also uh, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, which is just set on the boat. Um, so there, there's something about Dracula that people just love to to mix up and remix and do something new with. Um, Frankenstein, less so, except, right? (laughs) There is an idea that Frankenstein is actually the birth of science fiction as a genre, right? Um, Not all critics will agree with me on this. Some definitely recognize Frankenstein as um, the beginning, the, the kind of original science fiction novel. Some will go a little bit earlier. Yeah, there's a whole minefield that I'm opening myself up to with that, but I'm going to lay my um, uh, stick in the sand. Cards on the table. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I'm going to put my cards on the table and say, yes, I would say um, Frankenstein begets science fiction because it's the first kind of sustained attention to what I would see is what all science fiction comes down to, which is an introduction of a new technology and then dealing with the consequences of that new technology. Almost any science fiction, whether it's set 300 years in the future, 3,000 years in the future, whether it's near future and there's a virus, whatever it is, science fiction is always interested in that new technology plus consequence. So you could then say Frankenstein has a far bigger impact and more popularity, I guess you could say um i just want to give you an example right jurassic yeah. park yeah 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 okay what happens in jurassic park in science fiction there's a science there's a lab a scientist takes up bits of different dead creatures and brings them to life that's frankenstein right
1: Everything, and then they deal right. with the
2: consequences right and that that consequence is dangerous to the people that created the thing in the first place this jurassic park is frankenstein <laughs>
0: God, you can think of so many examples of that, right? Like the ones that just jump out of my head is like iRobot. We can create uh-huh. the robots that take over the world. Like,
2: yeah,
0: it's really interesting how there's all these different stories, but they come back to really all being the same story. Like, there's only a couple ones, right?
2: It's all yeah. kind
0: of the same thing.
2: I mean, it's kind of true and not true. Like people are always people have such rich imaginations. People are doing so like new, different things all the time, right? Um, But at the same time, yeah, there's there is this idea that there's a few. I heard this one thing that's like there's two stories. One is uh, a person goes on a trip, and the other story is a stranger comes to town. Those are the two stories. (laughs) I don't know what you think about that.
0: Yeah. They pretty much all come like all to come together in that sense, right? That one seems to has Frankenstein changed in the same ways that that uh, Dracula has changed over the years. Has Frankenstein always kind of Frankenstein?
2: Uh, I to be honest, I just think that Dracula and Frankenstein are very similar in that, for whatever reason, these two uh, stories get written in london england in the 1900s and they create monsters and for some reason we've just not been able to get over it 150 years later we're still like riffing off those ideas that those monsters um kind of put into motion um I, i don't think there is um another monster figure uh that is iconic and memorable in the same way like Most kids will still know Frankenstein or, Mm -hmm. like, ah, Dracula. Like, we, 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 it's part of our popular consciousness, it's part of the mythology of, like, it's part of our storytelling.
0: Like, I would go Dracula 1, Frankenstein 2, Werewolf 3.
2: I would agree. I would agree. Werewolf is a kind of a funny one. I feel like people, for some reason, vampire is kind of acceptable like you can have a cool vampire right you can have the lost boys yeah yeah but well it's just always a little bit ludicrous
0: yeah it's, not- somehow it's too far-fetched which it is. is
2: I do find it strange, but also funny because I feel like a werewolf is also a little bit more possible, right? Because he only changes yeah. like into a different kind. It's a different kind of animal. He hasn't died and come back to life. He doesn't have immortal powers. He's just gotten a bit more in touch with his bestial side, right? Yeah,
0: it's <laughs> much more limited, right? Like that could happen.
2: Yeah. I get. Like you could get more hairy. You could get more dog-like, I think,
0: right? Yeah. It's weird how that works out.
2: But that, like, if you say werewolves, that just sounds silly.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's something about it. You're like, shh, oh, um, That's pretty much, that's all the questions that I have. Is there anything else you think that we missed? Or kind of people want to learn more about this? Want to learn more about you? What should they?
2: Oh, well, I guess I would say that if you want to know about me, I also write some gothic stories. I've written a vampire story or two in my time. Um, A bit of flash fiction, ghost stories. Ghost stories is my main thing, probably. Um, You can check out my work. Uh, My pen name is TSJ Harling, so that's me. Um, But in terms of Dracula, I would just say, I, I guess I tell you what, I'll give you one other adaptation which you might want to check out. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is not strictly a uh, Dracula adaptation, uh, but Midnight Mass on um, Netflix. It's a vampire story. It's not strictly Dracula, but if you, there's just a lot of similarities there, and it's genuinely scary. And I like that about the about the about the series because, like I say, like I don't feel like like most Dracula's are either kind of like 12 rating whereas um midnight mass actually did make me feel a bit uncomfortable and scared watching it so yeah check it out
0: is there one that's like really scary that like what would you say is the scariest of all the vampire stuff
2: i don't know i don't know that i've ever found that i want i want that 18 I want that certificate, right, like yeah. Dracula. I kind of think it's t- it's almost too much because if you really go there, it's a horror. It's kind of a horrible story, right? And it, I don't know that it would um, be popular with um, modern audiences. Like. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula—they had to make him into a uh, love, a, a romantic figure to to bring him to life. Even though technically, he, he like Francis Ford Coppola would have you believe that this is the most um, accurate and faithful to the novel adaptation that there is, but that's not true. He invents a whole love story between him and Mina, which is not in the book at all. Quite the opposite.
0: I want to thank Theodora so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, and we have also included her information in the episode description. Okay, now let's bring in John Shawl and get to the pointless part of the show. I feel like vampire is the obvious choice here, but would you rather be a vampire Frankenstein, or a werewolf?
1: I mean, it seems like you're kind of leaning vampire. Uh, I would probably pick a werewolf over a vampire.
0: Why would you pick a werewolf over a vampire, though? You're not as powerful, and you have to be a werewolf.
1: This is is a debate. I don't know if we're educated enough to have, but I would say a werewolf takes down a vampire six out of ten times.
0: If you have seen the factual movie Underworld, (laughs) The werewolves, I believe, were subservient to the vampires. Think about how you see werewolves depicted. They're usually kind of like scraggly people that are cursed with being a werewolf, whereas people who are a vampire, you're kind of like, ooh, I would be a vampire. I could be a vampire. Maybe that wouldn't be so bad. The werewolf is always made to look like it's a bad situation. If I was going to put it out there, I would say it probably goes vampire werewolf, Frankenstein, mummy in terms of what people would want to be.
1: Well, I don't think anyone wants to be the, the, the bottom two. I wouldn't even include, like, I'd probably throw a witch in there. I think some people would want to be witches or sorcerers.
0: I would actually say a sorcerer would probably be higher than even a vampire because I would be a sorcerer first and then a vampire and then a werewolf. But you rather, Okay, who's at the bottom of your list, Frankenstein or the mummy?
1: The mummy. I mean, first off, limited mobility. It's a terrible outfit. You have to be, you know, a, a, a rose right? you have to like someone has to to bring you to life or open your, your casket or something or open whatever you're in. It's just, it's a lot of work. And then when you actually get to the surface, then you're covered in like thirty five towels that are probably hot. It just no, no, I'm good, man.
0: It's more uncomfortable than Frankenstein.
1: But Frankenstein, you know what you are, right? You're just a big, big dummy.
0: Yeah, you could probably, like, kind of—I mean, people might even like you if you were Frankenstein, right? (laughs) You could help them move and things like that. You wouldn't be too scary.
1: I would say out of all uh, the—I guess you could call them Halloween monsters, maybe? uh, Frankenstein is probably up there, probably just below Vampire for me for, like, the Halloween monsters you want to make friends with.
0: Yeah, you. I, I would be friends with Frankenstein. I wouldn't want to be Frankenstein, but I would be okay with being friends with Frankenstein. Or, like,
1: hanging out with Frankenstein. No one's messing with you if you're walking with a, a a dude like that, that's for sure.
0: That's for sure. Yeah, all the others have pretty big downsides. Except for, like, a witch if she was, like, a nice witch. But, I mean, eventually you feel like the vampire's going to turn on you. The werewolf is going to have an outbreak and something's going to happen to you. And the mummy's just going to do mummy things. But Frankenstein can just be cool. <laughs>
1: I love that. The mummy's just going to do mummy things. I mean, eventually he's going to eat your brains or whatever the mummy does. Okay. All right. (laughs) I I don't know about that. I I feel like he'd be the easiest to evade, but, you know, whatever. But he can't be stopped. That's the problem, right? No matter
0: where you go, no matter what you do, you may be able to dodge him, but he's going to eventually catch up with you. That's the
1: problem. So uh, out of out of those five monsters that we kind of talked about, and I don't want to group them up because it doesn't matter. uh, Which one to you is the most scary of those monsters that we've talked about so far? Like if you were in a movie, let's just pretend it's a fictional universe. Which one is going to scare you the most having to face?
0: Vampire. I think the vampire is the most powerful.
1: See, I, I don't want to have my limbs ripped off. I think a werewolf would scare me more than a vampire. At least a vampire is going to, I don't know, maybe bite me, maybe just put a stake through my heart. I don't know.
0: Okay, but you only have to face the werewolf like every full moon, so it's not as (laughs) common, right? Like maybe the vampire doesn't have the powers and abilities of the werewolf, but it's every day, right? Would you rather dodge ten knives or one sword? (laughs) It's kind of like that, in my mind at least.
1: I, I will say this: that when you look at it, Hollywood has definitely taken vampires and have made them the most profitable. I don't think there's a, a more profitable Halloween-esque uh, character out there than than a vampire. I mean, look at all the 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 big movies or or series, kind of what you just talked about, like with Underworld and all that, that have come up just because of of a vampire.
0: There's a lot more you can do with a vampire, right? The vampire can be Frightening can be cool, can be like a sexy vampire, can be a funny vampire, <laughs> can help people learn how to read and count and all that kind of stuff. There's just it's more versatile. <laughs> oh,
1: yes, I forgot. They're, they're wow, I completely forgot about uh, Count uh, Count Von Count, count man. Just how could you count. forget about
0: Count Von Count?
1: Which one do you think
0: has the most likelihood of being real? Frankenstein, vampire, werewolf, or mummy? Like which one of those could we accidentally create moving forward?
1: Oh, create well, pr- probably Frankenstein. I mean, yeah, Frankenstein. I, I think there's, and don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure there's probably already been attempts to like bring somebody back from the dead with like you know electrical waves or something. Um, would not surprise me. A mummy or, or Frankenstein, I'd put my money on.
0: That is kind of crazy. That right, somebody somewhere in the world must have tried this at some
1: point. Yeah, I mean wouldn't be surprising right now if somebody's listening to this in their dungeon and is, you know, getting ready to try to bring somebody back or something.
0: That's the crazy part about how big the world is. You figure if there's 7 billion people in the world that no matter how rare it is for some mad scientist to be working in their lab trying to reanimate a corpse, there's still probably like 100 to 1,000 people right now trying to do this somewhere in the world.
1: I mean, that's a lot. I I don't know. That's not a
0: lot, though, right? That's like .0000001% of people. There's got to be at least 100 people right now trying to reanimate a dead corpse like for (laughs) Frankenstein. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's not. I mean, that's like .0001% of the world. Um,
0: I could go to 10,000 people. There could be 10,000 people in the world right now trying to create Frankenstein. No way. Think – okay – Not to get into this whole conversation, but think of, like, the most out there sexual thing that somebody could possibly be interested in. And there's a whole, like, category and people dedicated to that, right? So that logic applies to basically anything, right? No matter how out there it is, there's still probably tens of thousands of people who are trying to do it.
1: I mean, I don't disagree with you on that. However, I feel like for most of those type of niche things, it's it's a realistic something. No, I feel that's like a good point. I feel like uh, Frankenstein, you know, t- trying to replicate that is, is is not realistic. I think most people understand that. However, I say that it's not realistic and then I think about it and I'm like, I don't know if you get it right. You know, I mean, it, it could happen, I guess is what I'm saying, though. I don't think it's realistic
0: but you're looking at it i feel like in the sense of like okay who could viably do this right like all right so there's this many people but how many of them are rich and have access to cadavers and have the scientific knowledge but Mm -hmm. what if you think about just random like crazy people there may not be very many people who have a realistic shot of doing this but there could be a lot of crazy people who are trying to do this
1: I had someone mention to me earlier uh actually today uh that they would like to see the candle of the month become a two times a month thing and i said whoa Hold how many on candles now. you think i'm buying here
0: right we're gonna we can come up with something else besides candle of the month but <laughs> i don't know right like you can't you can't have steak every night
1: oh but you can't not probably very healthy probably body shouldn't. by steak that's my life motto uh all right. Uh, these people I guarantee you, probably don't have body by steak, and that's fine because they probably take care of themselves. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. John Vargas, Charlie Allenby, Stefan Wormager, Rob Bergeron, Miller Harwell, Chase Smith, Kelvin Castillo, Jeremy Shernock, Lee Thomas, and Carlos. And I, uh, specifically picked this one out because the handle is Swole-nificent.
0: We have a lot of people who seem to be working out listening to our podcast.
1: <laughs> Maybe we inspire because it sure doesn't, uh, I, don't, are you, I mean, you're a, you're a working out kind of guy, aren't you? You're to the gym three or four times a week.
0: I'm a big workout guy like I'm a big shower guy. I do it a lot and occasionally I enjoy it, but for the most part, it feels like something I just have to do.
1: Oh, it's the worst. Yeah, it's... Showering is the worst. It's, you know, because it's just you you want a nice hot shower till you actually get in the shower. And then you're like, well, it's either too hot or it's too cold. You're rushed for time. I just want a shower where I don't have to, like, you know, worry about anything. I can just take a shower and then go up my own time. You know what I mean? No. No. How
0: difficult is the rest of your life if you're having that much struggle with the water temperature in your shower? Like, turn it (laughs) on a good 10 seconds before you get in there, like test it, see what the water temperature is, and then adjust accordingly. Once you get in there, this shouldn't, this shouldn't be that difficult for you.
1: This brings me to something else that I wasn't going to ask you about, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask you because I feel like if you were, if you were in this profession, you would do the exact same thing. Okay. So we're having my basement. We're having work done in my basement. And last week I come home and uh, we have a bathroom. Attached to the downstairs. So it's kind of, I don't want to say it's a construction-only bathroom. But, like, we're not using it right now because, you know, the the workers are. It's in the house, though, right? It's in the house, okay. yes. Okay. So I come home, and usually the door is left open, right? I, I just notice it, whatever. Come home, and the the bifold doors are shut. I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. You know why? they Maybe they just got out and forgot to open them or whatever. So I open the doors, and I get a whiff of arguably the worst shit of mankind.
0: Somebody of construction dropped workers and they left it.
1: Uh, well, they clogged the toilet. So I had to take a plunger to it and uh, you know, it, it, it was, it was kind of a thing. Uh, I definitely said something. So my, my point here, or my question to you is one, if you were that worker, would you have done everything? And there was a plunger next to the toilet. I should add, Would you have done everything in your power to make, you know, get rid of the evidence or would you just have left it? And two, is it a dick move on my behalf to say something to the crew about, hey, if you're going to drop a gigantic shit in my house and then, you know, it doesn't go down all the way. Like, take care of it or at least tell me or my wife so I know what I'm walking into. First of
0: all, no. No. Okay. No, you're not a. You say something to the crew and that's a phone call to the fucking foreman. That's a phone call to the company, like, hey, this is bullshit. Get one of your employees <laughs> in line. Because like that you you can't you can't allow that kind of behavior to slide. Right? Okay, good. Okay. And that employee, the uh, the sheer audacity, that's a person who has to be checked. Right? <laughs> there are always people in anything that you're doing that are gonna try to push the line as far as they can. Things happen. Right? Yep. Sometimes you got to go. You don't know what's going to go on with your body, right? It's not it's not an unforgivable <laughs> offense to be using your toilet. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, that's fine. Little borderline. There's companies in Seattle that actually make a big deal about the fact that they bring a porta potty out and that they don't use your bathroom. But oh. anyway, that's a whole different argument. Yeah, they make a big deal out of it. They're like, "We'll bring a porta potty. We don't let we're not going to use your bathroom." But the fact that that employee like left it there and didn't fix it, that's a person that has to be checked. Because right now, what he's saying is that's his house, and if you don't <laughs> check that, he's not. He's taken. He's now, he's now with your wife, and those are his kids now. You're just paying. For <laughs> it.
1: Oh man, I apologize for my loud laugh there. Into the you got to check was,
0: that right away. That like this isn't fucking funny. happening
1: here. It was well, I did. It was actually I the the first thing first. You know, for, within a minute of them arriving, I I, I went outside and I, uh, I don't know, the, the leader or whoever, whoever's the leader of the time I was like, listen, I kind of made a joke about it. I wasn't as firm as maybe I should have been. You got to put the foot um, down. You can joke about they, it a little bit. Like, look, guys. But, you know, I was like, listen, whichever one of you at least shut the door. I appreciate that. But a little warning next time that it's going to have to spend 15 minutes trying to plunge the shit out of it would have been nice.
0: Mm, you came
1: passive-aggressive. You should have come harder. Yeah, I definitely came passive-aggressive. Well, because, you know, you don't – here's my thoughts on this. Is I don't want – you know, they're doing work in my house. I would agree
0: that those are the kind of people, and I mean that in the sense of, like, people who do repairs to your house or people who kind of do service industry things like that. You don't want to mess with them. You keep your trash people and your construction workers happy. I, I agree with you 100%
1: on the trash folks, man.
0: So I, I understand your strategy. But what they did is they challenged you for dominance of your house, and you folded. (laughs) And it's their house now. So when
1: are you going to move out (laughs) leave your wife and kids behind? Uh, All right. I got a couple of uh, bangers for you. What is more lame to you? A hayride, a corn maze, a cider mill, or a haunted house? Like, if I was to come to you and give you those four Mm, options... Those are all pretty lame in my eyes. Which one would you go, absolutely not, we're not doing this, I'm never doing this, this is a terrible, uh, even idea?
0: Hayride can be surprisingly enjoyable, because it is kind of a chance to just sit there with your children. Like, oh, I don't have to do anything or watch you where you are. So Hayride, actually, I would probably put number one on that list. Corn maze, like, oh, God, what if... How long is this going to take? Am I going to have to really figure this out? I don't really want to do that one. Cider Mill, why am I wasting my time here? That is a trip that is going to cost me more money than it should have because we're going to go to the Cider Mill. It's going to have to pay money to get into the Cider Mill. Then we're going to have to buy lunch there or some kind of thing. Then we're going to have to get a souvenir. So Cider Mill is my number one, and I just personally don't like haunted houses. Cider Mill because it's going to cost me more money than it should have.
1: Man, you hit that on the head, man. I agree with you, actually, on Cider Mills. Overrated. You're going to spend way more money than you should. They're always, you know, they're never what they appear to be. They're always overcrowded. And it's really just the money thing, I guess. Though, so if I had to pick one reason, Cider Mills, you know, uh, we were just at one a couple weekends ago and got like six donuts and two half gallons of cider, and it was $33. That
0: actually seems like a good deal. <laughs> I mean, oh I thought God. that was going to be a lot more expensive. No way! That you got uh, six donuts and two gallons of cider. No, I was going to. Th- I was thinking that was half gallon, so one gallon. Yeah, that seems about right. Honestly, that seems like a decent price for six. The six donuts.
1: <laughs> it's no man. It's uh, I mean. I mean. I guess so. I understand, and we don't need to get into COVID and the the state of the world, but. I guess everything's just rose in price so much that you can't even get essentially a gallon of cider and six donuts for less than $30. That seems nuts to me.
0: I live in Seattle, dude. You can't get six donuts for $30.
1: Well, that's why you need to come to Detroit, man.
0: No, I don't. I want my kids to have a future.
1: Oh man. (laughs) Oh, boom! Oh God. All right. Uh, What's, what's more delicious to you? Uh, A slice of pumpkin pie or uh, oven roasted pumpkin seeds out of a pumpkin
0: pie. Is that a real Ooh. question?
1: Yes, because I'm telling you right now, and all of you out there who are doubting me, find a recipe. I'm not going to tell you what I do, but carve a pumpkin, oven bake the seeds with whatever kind of spices or whatever you want. They are delicious, and they you know you can get a thousand of them out of one pumpkin.
0: I'm I'm going to go ahead and tell you this right now, that you're in a crisis because you have been, for the last three years of this podcast, trying to really portray yourself as a good chef, and then you talked about putting ketchup on barbecue, and everybody has seen right through you, and all of oh, your that... chef credentials are in jeopardy right now. Everybody's questioning it.
1: Mm, yeah, I mean, I they, agree. There's that was... a
0: date. Not a day goes by that somebody's not like, what is he talking about? So you're pretty suspect right now. You're the guy that pooped in your house. That's you as a chef right now.
1: Everybody's wondering what this dude is talking about. Oof. Well, if that's the case, then I guess I I need to do something to come back then, I suppose, right? It's not but. pumpkin seeds, I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right, well, let's just move on here because uh, I, I don't feel like defending myself because I did say barbecue sauce or ketchup. You didn't uh, think that would be as bad as it did, did you? I didn't actually. Uh, I didn't think it was that bad. People upset. Um, taboo. Maybe I I, like that. That Judas. I I don't know what the right word is, but I guess it is the four uh, four options for us to uh, to spin our wheels about this week. Uh, The new Super Mario movie that's coming out in 2023, which thank God that didn't get voted because that's a I I don't know if you've seen the the trailer, but it looks terrible. No Um, pumpkin spice everywhere. I really just wanted this to win so I could rant about pumpkin spice but it didn't so you're welcome uh the close-up ant photo that looks like something out of uh, out of satan's lair i don't know if you've seen that yet i have not Uh, i'm gonna look it up right now uh but the winner this week was the uh hiker out of japan that fought off a bear i don't know if you've seen that video
0: that's what a fucking ant looks like
1: (laughs) For those of you who aren't aware, Nick just I think Google that photo, oh, uh, and you should too while you're man. listening to this. Just Google uh, what ant close up, and that should bring up uh, the photo that Nick's looking at. Don't look
0: at it; they are terrifying. Oh, they Holy are.
1: crap! So there there are some photoshopped ones, obviously, but uh, still, it's the same photo. So you can make the eyes red, whatever, but it's still a terrifying photo, regardless. It looks like a Balrog from Lord of the Rings. It looks like something you do not want to face, like, ever in your entire life. Don't mess with ants, man. Um, you can make an argument that they're the dominant species on the planet. There's like ten
0: mil, 10 trillion of them or something.
1: Well, yeah, the, there was, I, I think we briefly touched on it uh, like a month ago. There was some study released that there's like 200,000 ants to every person or something. Like, if they wanted to, they could easily take the entire Earth out.
0: How many ants do you think that you could fight off?
1: Well, okay. Well, I need parameters here. Like, are we talking about— You're in the middle—okay.
0: You are in the middle of a parking lot. The ants come marching in. How many ants do you think you could fight off? Do I have weapons? Or am I just stepping on them? You You can have whatever's around you in a parking lot.
1: I'll give you a stick. Let's give you a baseball bat. It's not going to do anything. You need something to be able to crush them. Your foot? Give me a... I tell you what. Give me a... Uh, what are those things called? A flamethrower. And I can last for 20 minutes.
0: Okay. you. It's just you and your bare hands. You've got nothing with you. No weapons. No nothing. You're in the middle of a parking lot. How many ants do you think you could fight off?
1: <laughs> I mean... Um... I, I don't know, two thousand, three thousand. I mean, enough. So here's the thing: as soon as they start crawling on me, as soon as they get on you, you're fucked. But if you can keep them at bay, which isn't going to happen because you can't fight, you know, three sixty. You can't do that. So you're 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 effed either way.
0: Uh, you but can I guess run,
1: I'll... but you cannot leave the parking lot. Oh well, I mean, I'm still screwed. I'm not going to run. Like, where am I going to go if you can't leave the parking lot? I mean, you can like. You do have a speed advantage.
0: You could run yeah, to the other that... corner and you could step on. It. OK, we're not obviously going to come up with like a great number, but do you think it's in the thousands, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands?
1: What that I could fend off? Yeah. I won't even say tens of thousands. I'll say like maybe 5,000 at most.
0: I feel like it's in the low tens. I feel I like you could fight off with a good strategy, I think you could fight off in the low tens of thousands of ants.
1: I don't think we're giving like, like we're not gigantic people. Like, we're gigantic
0: um, to an ant,
1: right? But if there's five thousand of them on you, that you know.
0: But they got to get on you first, right? Like you could just be wish, stepping. If you're just hot stepping all over the place, like I think you could get a lot. You're probably killing like two or three hundred ants
1: with one footstep. Think about it that no, way, oh man. No way. Uh, Maybe I'm giving them too much credit. I don't know, but I I think you're wrong on this one.
0: You could use hands, too, like smashing them.
1: (laughs) No way. I think
0: if you had a good strategy, you could be in the tens of thousands. I don't think anybody's going to be able to take 100,000 ants.
1: Like if they're fire ants, if they're those ants from uh, South America or whatever, the cutter ants, you're screwed. If they're the big black carpenter ants, like one of those is the size of your fingernail. You get 1,000 of those on you, you're fucked. No special power ants. Just a regular ant. I'm still I'm still gonna go under five thousand. I, I think it'd be a lot harder and uh than what we think. And they'd start crawling up your pant legs, they'd get into your private parts. Like you're fucked one goes in your butthole. Like you're screwed. And you're done.
0: Or you're they're done. done. <laughs> <It> depends <Well. laughs> somebody's regretting that
1: a lot. <laughs> and it okay. probably isn't them.
0: What was the was that the actual question?
1: No, mm-hmm. the, the, the thing that I, that's probably actually more entertaining than this, uh, this was actually much more serious, uh, was a hiker from Japan that fought off a black bear that basically attacked him as he was climbing. And then uh, he like, um, the video is like three minutes, so I'm not going to play it for you, but he hits the bear down, the bear kind of goes off the, the mountainside a little bit, but then the bear like continually tries to come and attack him. It's a, a very, um, I don't know what the word, it's shocking. I, cause you know, you hear, you hear stories and you're a climber, so you probably can, you know, I don't think you've ever been attacked by a bear, which is fantastic news, but you hear stories of, of these kind of encounters, but for it to be captured on a GoPro camera, it's like, man, what was this bear? Like, what did it want? And it, it, it seemingly attacks this person out of nowhere and then keeps going after this person. Um, maybe, maybe there was some kind of territorial something, but you know, but was it, a was it a female bear? Like maybe he's protecting her cubs. It doesn't, it doesn't indicate. It doesn't. I'm, I'm sure there's a, I'm sure that for those of you who have watched it, who are bear experts or know a bear expert, you could tell if it's a, a male or a female. Um, but man, it was wild. And it was, you know, he's using he, uh, this, the, I don't want to call him a victim. Cause he kind of is, but the person fending off the attack is using everything you can think of kicking at it, uh kind of smacking it, punching it, and it just where's this at? Keep, Let me find out some somewhere. actual details bear attack, yeah, yeah just Japan. do just go uh rock climber bear attack It should be the first thing that pops up out of Japan fight off
0: a black bear oh there's a whole incident oh wait no, that's something else. There was once called a seked betsu brown bear incident it has its own Wikipedia. And attacked several houses know. in the area who knew bear attacks were so common
1: and this is how
0: we yeah i wouldn't mess
1: with a bear yeah i wouldn't either check check that video out though if you haven't for all of you out there listening it how many uh, people this is in december night oh my gosh
0: the sankabetsu brown bear incident took place from december 9th through the 14th so five days of this brown
1: bear just killing everybody just for the record this is a different brown bear not the one i'm speaking of
0: oh he killed like multiple family oh my wow there's been several movies made about this bear that went rampaging okay well don't mess with bears that's the moral of that story right
1: all right well uh let's move on to our uh our top five to our our, uh, I, i wanted to say something with the word biting in it you know, to lead up, but I'm just going to stop and you do your thing. Okay.
0: All right, so our top five is top five fictional vampires as opposed to real vampires. So I guess we really could just do top five vampires.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, number one is is, is obvious. But... The, is it? The, yeah. I don't number, know if I mean, it is or not. It should be if we're doing any kind of vampires. Number one should be obvious. Um, but with that... I'll uh, I'll start, and uh, this one is a, a Homer pick, but my number five is Blade.
0: You have Blade at number five. I do. That's way too high on the list. Okay. Blade oh, should be. I could make an argument for Blade as number one.
1: Oh well, we'll we'll see. I mean, let's 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 go through here, see what's what we got.
0: My number five is Count Chocula. you're gonna tell me that Count Chocula doesn't make you smile a little bit he is easily the most famous of the serial based monsters
1: yes monsters yes yeah he's not I thought you were gonna say like uh total uh characters like cartoony characters which obviously tricks the rabbits up there the elf things um T- the tiger from uh, Tony the Tiger, but yeah, monsters sure. The
0: only reason that I don't have Count Von Count, the Sesame Street count, on the list above Count Chocula, is I don't think that people really know what Count Von Count's name is, but everybody knows Count Chocula.
1: <laughs> I actually have uh, this. I, I don't know his name either, but that—that's funny you said. My number four is the Sesame Street uh, vampire, who I just called the Count.
0: Well, his name is Count Von Count.
1: Yeah, well, I, I'm i going to call him the Count from Sesame Street as my number four.
0: My number four is the energy vampire from What We Do in the Shadows. You haven't seen that show. And if other people haven't seen that show, it's one of the funniest. It might be the funniest show on television right now by a long
1: margin. Uh, My number three, I have Celine, uh, the vampire from Underworld.
0: That's pretty good.
1: Kate Beckinsale.
0: Man, her career fell off.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, she didn't. Uh, well, no, I mean, she's made her money. She had all kinds of movies. She doesn't need to be out and about, so to speak.
0: The thing that I remember about that movie besides Celine is that there was some sort of weird love triangle between her her current husband and the director. And yes. that, like, she ended up leaving one of them for the other. But I don't remember if she was married to the actor and left for the director or was married to the director and left for the actor. But that's what I remember about that
1: movie. I don't recall.
0: Okay. That's a good choice. Celine's up there. My number three is one you probably also haven't heard of. Marceline, the vampire queen from adventure time.
1: Marceline, the vampire queen. Yeah. It's a great character and a great show. I'm, I'm not taking anything away from the show. I'm sure it's fantastic. Um, all right. Well, my number, uh, <laughs> my number two is a is a is a two. My number two is a two. Uh, I have two at my number two, uh, which I know you love doing. Uh, my we're gonna start off with David you... from the Lost Boys. Okay. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, you have to. And then uh, I have because I don't know their names uh, off the top of my head. Uh, Brad Pitt and um, Tom Cruise's vampires from interview with the vampire
0: i don't remember what brad pitt's character is but lestat is tom cruise's character who's actually like the vampire that whole series is about
1: yeah and brad pitt i think is the vampire who gets bitten i think by tom cruise or somebody that tom cruise had infected before
0: but i remember lestat's name do you remember the name of brad pitt's character in that movie at all no. Louis.
1: Louis, Louis the Louis Anderson. Close enough. RIP. My number 2 is Blade. Man, and cuz number 1 is it has to be a unanimous number 1 if you're talking about fictional vampires.
0: I really thought about putting Blade as number 1. He's the coolest that the one that we're talking about, I'm assuming that you and I have the same one, but Blade is kind of more like a cooler character. The number one that we're talking about defines, I think, a vampire. Like, oh, that's what I think a vampire would really be like. But I would make an argument that Blade is the better character.
1: I mean, I mean, you know my love for Blade. You've made fun of my love for Blade. That's why I, I think, can't believe you were that high with it. Well, I mean, because when you think of vamp- – like if we're doing top fictional vampires or top vampires – uh, I mean, he's he deserves to be on the list, but I don't know if he deserves to be high on the list. Who's your number one, then? Uh, Maximilian from Vampire in Brooklyn, played by Eddie Murphy. I do remember Vampire in Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It has to be
0: Dracula. Dracula from the Bram Stoker movie with yes. Gary Oldman and Keanu
1: Reeves. Man, talk about Man, once again, we've talked about my love for Gary Oldman. That dude is a class A actor, top to bottom.
0: Yeah. No, that's like if you if I were to actually picture Dracula in real life, it would be that movie. Like that nailed it.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't even close. I haven't seen that movie in a bit, but uh from what I remember it was it was near perfect in terms of capturing what you think a vampire is. Apparently,
0: like, this movie back from the 1927s, like, Bella Lugosi and the Vampire, whatever it's called, is supposed to be even better than that. But just nobody's seen it because it's back from, like, 1920s.
1: And I'm not mistaken. The, that movie, Bram Stoker's, was early 90s, I think? I have no idea. All right. Fair enough. Who's on your honorable mention? Uh, so, once again, forgive me because I don't really know their, uh, their names. Uh, but I, I put on the entire Twilight family. The 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 specifically obviously uh, Kristen Stewart and the new Batman guy, Robert Pattinson. Uh, Yeah, Um, just because. I mean, just because. um,
0: Do you have any Twilight memorabilia in your house right now? Books, uh, movies, cutouts, anything. My wife
1: does. I do not.
0: Okay, so you do. If your wife has it, you (laughs) now do. So how much stuff do you have?
1: She has the books.
0: Hardback or paperback? Hardcover or Hardback. paperback?
1: Hard hardcover.
0: Set. Yeah. So you there's a box set there. So not only then did she buy the books individually, but she then went back and bought them in hardcover. I, I don't know. You'd have to
1: ask her. Mm, so what's the answer? Did you buy them for her? No, no. I I don't buy her books because she doesn't read them. Surprisingly. Ooh, taking shots.
0: <laughs> well, not with that level of encouragement. No, I wouldn't think that she would.
1: No, oh, man. Okay, that's that's ridiculous. Who
0: else in your uh, honorable mention?
1: Uh, and then th- this one's kind of a kind of a cheap honorable mention, but I put uh, the vampire that was on The Simpsons from time to time. But it's it's a pretty, I mean, pretty oh, I specific. Know, yeah. Any of the Simpsons uh, vampires, whether it's like, oh, you mean Mr. Burns? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's, that's a pretty plays. good vampire.
1: Okay. I don't really even know. Uh, What's on your honorable mention?
0: The only ones I have, the problem is the new movie ruined it completely, but Morbius was a cool vampire. Morbius is a comic book character. Okay. That's a pretty good one. Um, Who was the guy from Buffy? Spike?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember that, but sure. Oh, is that David Boreanaz?
0: How do you not remember that but then remember the
1: name of David Boreanaz? <laughs> All right, got to look up to see who played uh, Buffy.
0: Who the hell is David Boreanaz? How do you, you know, know that. who that is? You oh, David that. Boreanaz.
1: Hold on, let me see who uh... – <laughs> yeah, it was him. No. That what? guy. Is that guy?
0: I I don't – is that him?
1: I don't know. I'm looking it up right now.
0: No, he was something else.
1: Yeah, he played. Oh, he played. Uh, yeah, Rose, a vampire turned private in- investigator, Angel, on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, but that's not Spike. That's Angel. Oh, well, the how things. do you know who David
0: Boreanaz is?
1: Oh, James James Masters played uh, Spike.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Anyways, uh, there we go. I had Celine from Underworld in there. I had Lestat. That was an honorable mention. I think any of the characters from what we do in The Shadows could be on there for an honorable mention.
1: Um, I'm going to have to watch that. I've never seen it, but you apparently really – It's probably the funniest. It. It's probably the funniest show on TV right now. Oof, that's, that's quite
0: the statement. Not only is it the funniest show on TV right now, I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably the funniest show on TV in the last 10 years. It's the only comedy that I've laughed at in
1: the last 10 years on TV. What we do in the shadows. Alright, I'm gonna have to give it I'm gonna have to give it a chance here. See see what it's about.
0: Okay, that's gonna go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I wanna thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or a review, let us know who you think are some of the best vampires that are out there. I I really think Blade could have been number one. If that performance by Gary Oldman wasn't as good as it was, I would have put Blade as number one. But let us know who you think are the top five vampires. And also, how many ants do you think that you could fight off? We put that question up on social media, and it seems to be generating a lot of discussion. Anywhere from people saying, oh, I I would lose to ten ants, all the way up to millions of ants.